It's time for Reflections of Grace Outreach Ministries, Thursday weekly discussion with Thomas and Denise. We are the Walkers, inspiring souls and removing the mask through the Word of God. Subscribe to us on our YouTube channel at Reflections of Grace Outreach Ministries and join our Anchor Podcast channel. And now join us for another enjoyable evening. God bless. Amen. God bless. And thank you all for joining us today. This is Reflections of Grace Outreach Ministries. My name is Elder Thomas Walker. My wife, Minister Denise, she's away on on assignment. And we pray that she and everything that she does is blessed. Um, Tonight, I just thank you all for joining with us tonight. It's a great night and this is a great day that the Lord has made. And um, I'm just thankful for the many things that he has done in our lives. And I'm so grateful that we have the opportunity to come together this one time and, and just share the word of God. And I don't take it lightly that you all have taken the time to to hear or to visit uh, my channel to see or listen to uh, the words that God has for me to say. So for that, I am grateful and I am thankful that you have um, allowed me into your lives. And with that being said, I want to talk about tonight's subject. Tonight's subject is uh, spiritual heart disease. And, it, and I have in quotes, deep in my heart, I have doubts. So I'm bringing that into perspective because we're going to be talking about the children of Israel from the book of Malachi. And Malachi is a uh, was one of the minor prophets, and he had a word from God to give to them. And it was during a time when they needed it the most. But at the same time, the children of Israel, they had doubts. They had doubts about God. And we're going to talk about that in, in the book of Malachi. There's like four chapters that we're going to hit in a series um, these next few weeks or so. So I would love for you all to stick with me, hang in there with me, you know, bear with me. I'm trying a new mic out. So um, I'm prayerful that this mic will work better as far as the quality. So if not, shoot me a, a, a comment below and let me know how it sounds and, and if the mic was to your liking or not. And if not, I can definitely change it and find something else. But, you know, just trying to make sure that we put forth the best effort to bring you the word of God and the, the discussion that as we go forward. So as we start, I'm going to open with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you. God, we thank you for all your blessings. We ask you, Lord, to continue to strengthen us as we go forth. We thank you for our day. We thank you that you brought us home safely. You thank you for safe travels. We thank you, Lord, that wherever we are, that you are covering us, that you are protecting us from hurt, harm, and danger. We thank you, Lord, for all things. And we bless your name. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. 
Amen. So tonight, I I am so happy and thankful for the book of Malachi. And I am so thankful to see my dear friend Keisha on the line. I'm so glad that you joined us tonight. Hello. Yes, thank you. Thank you for joining <laughs> us. It's good to see your friendly face. How you been? Yeah, I know. I'm glad to see. Well, I can't see your face, but I know it's friendly anyway. I'm sorry. Hold on. There you go. Oh, there it is. Oh. Hey. hey, that's Paris, right? Yes. I miss Paris. <laughs> yes. Can, can y'all hear you be? Can you hear yes, me? I, yes, I can hear you good. Can you hear me? It's the question because my headphones been messed up. So can you hear me clear? Yeah, I can hear you real well. Okay, that's a blessing. How the deacons? They good? Yeah, yeah. All of the deacons is good. The missionary, she going on to be with the Lord, but all is well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yes, yeah, good to hear that. Good to hear that. You've been having a great week? Yeah, so far it's been good. It's been good. You know, I got my, my big boy shirt on today, so. <laughs> it's nice. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> I like the background. Yeah, that's, uh, that's out in... It's, uh, that was out in Barstow, out in that area. Really? Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that. I like that. That's different. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I'm just glad you joined us, Keisha, and, and God bless you and your husband and the family and everybody. Well, thank you. Well, thanks for having me. I'm glad to join. I hate I missed a few weeks. It's well, been kind of chaotic, but... You know, by the grace of God, I'm here. So, well, that's good. I'm, glad. I'm so glad and pray all is well. And you know, I love you. Love all y'all. We love y'all also. Okay. <laughs> all right. So, you could go ahead and mute if you want, or please feel free to comment in and at any time if you have anything that you want to add. Okay. Sounds good. Thank you. Mm -hmm. So, if you have your Bibles, you can uh, turn with me with the first chapter of Malachi. And the book of Malachi is in between Zechariah and basically it's the last book of the, the, the Old Testament. And Scott, you know, a lot of people, they talk about the order and the chronology of how the books in the Bible are laid out, but some scholars believe that the book of Malachi should be, should not be the last book of the Bible. It should be somewhere in between, I think, Zechariah and, and Habakkuk, I believe, but it should not be the last because it still talks about the time that the children of Israel was coming out of exile. So the last time we talked in discussion, we talked about the time that the children of Israel came out of exile and they, they, were, um, they were giving thanks and praise to God and they was thanking God for all this good things. But then at, at a certain point, they began to uh, intermarry. They began to marry other uh, foreign foreigners into the fold, and that displeased God. So um, they, they failed to 
they fail to obey God on, on all levels. So here, this is just an extension because what the children of Israel were doing uh, down through the centuries and millennia, um, they consistently had a relationship with God to disobey him. So when you look at it in that that term and in that in that that point of view, the children of Israel was always on God's bad side, you know. And every time, because he he chose them to be the vessels of who he is to reveal himself in the world to everyone else. But the children of Israel, they had their own idea. They had their own concept of what they wanted to do. So instead of them believing and and, and trusting in the one true God, they decided that they wanted to live like everyone else. And that's a problem for God because the things that the people were doing back then, they were considered detestable in God's eyesight. So what is detestable? Detestable is like, you know, he just really did not like it. He did. It, he had a real strong issue with what they were doing. And some of the things that they were doing um, are still going on today. Those things are, you know, uh, intermarrying, uh, divorce, immoral sexuality, immoral sex behavior, um, destroying your body and turning away from God, disobeying God. Those things are still going on even today. Does that make us children of Israel? Does that make us Israelites? Well, no, it doesn't make us that. But the character of who they were and the character of what they did during that time is still relevant because that's what they wanted to do. <laughs> so we begin the study of the book of Malachi and the message that God pre presented to them after their exile. They were returned to a land and were proposed to resume worship and reverence for God. But Many things happened during that time that prevented them from honoring God in spirit and in truth. Thus, here comes Malachi, and he tells the story of the children of Israel character and zeal for worship. So when we get into the book of Malachi, he's going to, to explain and expound on the character and the nature of who the children of Israel were at this time. This time happened somewhere around 538 before the common era. We, most people call it BCE. And so this was is, is coming close to the intertestamental period. And I'll explain it in a testamental period a little bit further down in the week, weeks to come. But right now, we just want to get a backdrop and a background picture of, of Malachi, who he was, what was his message, and what was the character and uh, relationship that the children of Israel had with him and God. So the this series will it look at the spiritual and emotional lessons that today's believers should understand and discern as 
uh, we continue into further chapters. So there's a lot of information, great information in the book of Malachi. It's only four chapters. So um, I don't want to really go really quickly through this because there's a lot of little small nuances of the life of the children of Israel before the intertestamental period, which is the years of silence. That's when God stopped talking to the children of Israel. But you know, a lot of people say, well, God is omnipotent. He talks to everyone. He hears all. Well, not necessarily. <laughs> Sometimes God don't want to hear you. Sometimes don't hear, he don't hear your prayers. Sometimes he don't hear your worship. Sometimes he don't hear your supplication. So the discernment in this is understanding why God stopped listening to the children of Israel, because that's a, bit, a great message for us to learn moving forward in our lives. See, we believe that because we profess and love God, that God's going to always be there for us. And the Bible is clear and is succinct in letting us know, no, sometimes God turns away. Sometimes God don't listen. Sometimes he shut up his windows and his doors. And sometimes he just lets you do what you want to do until he decides to have mercy on you and then, then returns to you. Like last week, we talked about how God said, return to me and I will return to you. So he's looking and he wants and desires a relationship for with each of us. However, we have to want that same thing. And the book of Malachi really talks about the, the, the character of what they were thinking. Now, God had brought them out of bondage of Egypt and they were, they were being, you know, persecuted. And, and then they wandered through the wilderness for 40 years. God brought them out of that by cloud, by day and fire by night. Then they were uh, captivity in Babylon. And God delivered them from that by sending a king to, to exile them out of that and to return them back to the Jerusalem where they, the, their homeland. So God was in instrumental and, 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 and divinely um, providence, everything that was going on in the children of Israel's lives up to that point. And they knew it. The thing about it, they knew that God was with them. God had taken care of them. God was the only one that was able to feed them manna in the wilderness, was able to, to send the ravens there and to part the Red Sea and to make sure that their clothes and uh, their shoes didn't wear out for 40 years. Now, how could you not know that you serve a mighty God if your clothes don't wear out in 40 years? Just like today, I, I was talking about, I had this white shirt on, my big boy shirt on. And I guarantee you, if I wore this shirt for 40 years, it wouldn't look like this. <laughs> it wouldn't look white. It probably look a deep, dark gray. <laughs> Because especially if I had to eat some food, it might be something all over up in there, all in here and everywhere, <laughs> you know. But but look at the majesty, the majesty and the, and, the, and the greatness of God, that he was able to sustain them in all areas of their lives. But yet 
they still disobeyed God. They still did not acknowledge him and reverence him enough to obey his commandments. Wow, isn't that something? That's something for us to learn today as we move forward in, in everything that we're doing and the consistency of our lives. Because the book of Malachi was written to correct the lax religion and social behavior of the Israelites. You know, and, and particularly, he was talking directly to the priests in, in, in the post is Exilic Jerusalem. Although the, the prophets urged the people of Judea and Israel to see that their exile as punishment for failing to uphold their covenant with God. So it, it's, it's really something to understand that God's punishment wasn't just because he didn't like them. It was his punishment because of their behavior and not upholding the covenant of God with them, that God had with them. Sorry about that. It, it, it was not long after that, that they had been restored to the land and to the temple worship that the people's commitment to their God began. And once again, what did they do? They stopped worshiping God after he had delivered them. It was a pattern for them to continue to do that. Once he delivered them, he, they give them glory, they give them thanks and worship. Then it dies down and they go back to their same old ways. Well, you know, th that's something that, um, that God did not like. It was in this context that the prophet commonly referred to as Malachi delivered this prophecy. So we're going to get into that really soon. Um, this introduction in the book is, is, illustrates the severity of the situation that Malachi addresses. The graveness of the situation is also indicated by the, the language that Malachi confronts everyone that he's talking to. You know, he proceeds to accuse the people of failing to respect God as God deserves. One way in which this disrespect was made manifest is through the substandard sacrifices that Malachi claims are being offered by the priest. Now, we get that now. He's talking to the priest. He's talking to the priest in Malachi. Now, I know that some of us out there, we know what Malachi 3.8 it says, and if we get beat over the head, will a man rob God? Yes, you'll rob me with tithes and offering. Well, you know, he's talking to the priest. <laughs> so, you know, but um, that's something that we're going to talk about a little bit as well. Because once you start reading the book of Malachi, you start understanding that um, the, the context of why Malachi had written this book in the context of, of the story, then you would see that the tithes and offering that they were looking for and asking for, it wasn't monetary. And we can't, you know, just automatically influx or influence that value back into where it is. We just have to understand the character and the spirit 
that they had when they were uh, robbing God of the tithes and offering, which the tithes and offerings back then were all, you know, sacrifices. And here it goes, it continues on. Um, one way was to disrespect is made manifest through the substandard sacrifices, which Malachi claims are being offered by the priests. While God demands animals that are without blemish. That's found in Leviticus, the first chapter and the third verse. The priests who were to determine whether the animal was acceptable and was an acceptable offering, you know, that that the, the, the animals wasn't blind, they weren't lame, they, they didn't have a sickness on them. You know, it was his job to, to notice if that animal was worthy or healthy enough or pure enough to be sacrificed to God. But he turned the eye and he didn't. He just continued to allow sick animals and sick sacrifices and blemish sacrifices to be offered to God. Well, God, he didn't approve of that. He didn't like that. And, and this is what, you know, the, the robbing of God with the tithes of offering came in. It wasn't that, you know, they had shillings or rubles or whatever types of monetary things that they had. Back then, all they had was animal and livestock. So with that being said, we have to, the context and the spirit of giving is what God desires from us. See, the, the priest, he didn't, he, they got corrupt. They got it set in their own ways. They started shaving little goats and animals off the top, you know, the really good cheap and stuff. I imagine the, the priest kept them for himself and said, well, ain't nobody looking. You know, don't nobody know whether the sheep is well or not or good. They look good. You know, I could just say, yeah, that's a good sheep. Yeah, that's a good goat. Yeah, that's a good ox. We're going to get at the guy. Yeah, but in the backdrop, he, he, the priest probably went over there and he probably looked at him and said, well, there's something wrong with that, but we're going to still give it to God. It don't matter, you know, but I'm going to keep this good one because I'm going to tell everybody it's not, not a good sheep and I'm going to keep the good one and sacrifice the bad one. You know how people's minds go, you know, the area, you know, so it's, it still goes on today. The, you know, the proverbial trying to make a dollar out of 15 cents. You can't make a dollar out of 15 cents. So um, in this case, this is what was going on during that time. And God was angry and God sent Malachi to correct them, to let them know that, hey, you know, I see you. <laughs> they might not see you, but I see you. <laughs> and, and this is where everything starts to play. But you got to understand these priests were priests that was chosen down through the generations, through uh, the periods and, and, and of exile and bondage and, and uh, enslavement. You know, these are the, the children, men and women of God, uh, children of Israel that were chosen by him to represent him in the earth. Now, once that being established, now we hear that the priest didn't care how the sacrifice was being given and offered. Now, God had already explained to them way back in, in the days after the wilderness 
you got to set forth the, the guidelines of how their offering and their sacrifices should be presented to him because he is a holy God. He is a, a God without blemish. He expect his sacrifices to be that same way. So when we think in those terms, our heartstrings and who we are in our heart, our character, who we represent as men and women of faith in God, our sacrifices and our offerings from our heart should be without a blemish. And because the Bible tells us that if, if you have uh, all in your heart and you want to give an uh, offering to God, you know, don't give that offering to God. Go back and make right and, and clear that thing up before you give your offering to God. And that way that offering is accepted. Because nowadays people have gotten into this thing where you know, I go to XYZ church and every Sunday I have to put my 10% in and I got to put my offering in and I got to make sure that's done. But the whole time you're preparing it, right? You're, you're in your mind, you're thinking, oh, I got to pay this bill next week. Or, oh man, Joe Snuffy needs some shoes. I, man, I sure don't feel like giving that 10%. Let me see, what if I give them 5%? How much is start adding 5% up and start, you know, deviating in your heart what you're giving to God? See, the, the New Testament tells us God bless a cheerful giver. And that's what God wants. When you're cheerfully giving God something from your heart, that means you don't have no sorrow with it. Because God blesses us and he has no sorrow with our blessings. So therefore, our mind and our character and our heartstrings should be the same way. And I'm just going to say this because me personally, if I don't feel like giving something or giving an offering or giving a tithe, I just won't give it because it's not in my heart to do it. Now, I know a lot of people say, well, you're supposed to be a Christian. You're supposed to always be cheerful giving. You're supposed to love everybody. Well, yeah, but some days I might not feel like giving, giving my $5 or $2 or $10 or $20 to somebody. I might want to keep it or I might have something to do with it. So does that make me a bad person? No, no. It doesn't make me a bad person. It's just me knowing and understanding. If not, I'm not giving it from my heart in a good place then I should not give it at all because it's not doing anyone any good and it sure won't return any blessings and favor on my life because I didn't give it out of the goodness of my heart. I know some people might kick back on that and say, so what the man needed, the woman needed, still give it and let God take care of it. Yeah, that is true. But what does that say about you as a person in your heart? God wants, he doesn't want us to give our offerings and sacrifices to him and blemish or or with our heart being unpure or unclean towards something. So why should we give that to someone else, unclean or unblemished heart? Bless are the cheerful giver. We have to remember that. <clears throat> so Malachi, the first chapter starts off. Um, it says, the burden of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. He said, I have loved you, says the Lord, yet you say, in what way have you loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother, says the Lord, yet Jacob, and I love, I have loved, 
but Esau I have hated and laid waste his mountains and his heritage for the jackals of the wilderness. Even though Edom was said, has said, we have been impoverished, but we will return and build the desolate places. Thus says the Lord of hosts, they may build, but I will throw down. They shall be called the territory of wickedness and the people against whom the Lord will have indignation forever. Your eyes shall see and you shall say, the Lord is magnified beyond the border of Israel. A son honors his father and a servant his master. Then, if then am if then I am the father, where is my honor? And if I am master, where is my reverence? Says the Lord of hosts to priests who despise my name. Yet you say, in what way have we despised your name? Well, God goes on to say, you offered defiled food on my altar, but say, in what way have we defiled you? By saying the Bible, the table of the Lord is contemptible. And when you offer the blind as a sacrifice, it is not evil. And when you offer the lame and the sick, is it not evil? Offer it then to your governor. <laughs> Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you favorably, says the Lord of hosts? Now, I'm going to stop right there because it said a whole lot about what God was trying to relate to them through Malachi. He talks about the, the Jacob and Esau. Now, if anyone ever understood the story about Jacob and Esau, I added it in uh, the handout that you could read the story about Jacob and Esau. And they were two brothers, twin brothers that were born of Rebecca. And uh, I, Isaac is his father, other father, and um, the parent, and Rebecca is the mother. So to get the, 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 the real backdrop there, the, the context of why the Esau, Esau and um, Jacob were mentioned is because Esau, he had a name they called Edom. And Edom is uh, referred to the Edomites down the road that you're going to, if you have read your Bibles and studied, the Edomites were the cousins of the children of Israel. And they eventually got destroyed as God had talked to them. It said in the first, in the fourth verse, he said, we have been impoverished but we will return and build the desolate places. Thus says the Lord of hosts, they may build, but I will throw down. They shall be called the territory of wickedness and the people against whom the Lord will have indignation forever. See, there's a reason for that because Isaac, I'm sorry, Esau and Jacob had a colorful life um, growing up. Esau, he was the oldest and Jacob was the youngest. And you can find this in Genesis, the 25th chapter, 
And it starts around the 19th to the 34th first. It really talks about it. And I'm just going to hit some, some points on, on their character. See, Esau was a hunter. His character, he, he, he loved to go out and stay out in the, in the, in the woods and fight bears and, and all that stuff. So he had that in him. He had the desire to, to be an outwardsman person, a manly man, you know, and he'd go out there and slay drag, you know, stuff and just hit stuff and kill stuff and eat to go back and eat it. And, you know, he was that type of person. Now, Rebecca he, um, loved Esau, you know, so she, she, she you know, um, she loved Esau, but, but at the same time, um, she loved Jacob as well. Now, moving forward, the relationship with Jacob. Now, Jacob is the youngest, and he's the youngest son, and he loved to stay around the house. You know, you have one son, if their twins are outgoing, and then you have the other twin that's kind of opposite of him. Well, this was the case with both of them. So, Jacob, he's at home cooking. He made some stew. He was at home. You know, mama showed him how to make some stew and, and cook some food. And, and he, you know, really pretty good in the kitchen. While Esau, he wasn't stunned about learning how to cook no food. He was out there doing what he's supposed to do, you know, cook, kill stuff, bring it home so they can so they can eat. So that was his job. That was what he wanted to do. And that's great. Well, uh, Jacob, he would cook some stew. He put potatoes in it and he put some meat. You know, he put some carrots in it and he fried it up, you know, and made the, the vegetables and everything. So the stew was good. So Jacob, he's sitting there eating his food and here come Esau. Esau is like, you know, he'd been out for a few days hunting and he, he probably couldn't find nothing to eat or hunt and kill. Well, he probably didn't know how to cook it either. So he was always bringing it back home so Jacob could go head on and, and hook him up with a nice bowl of food or something. And one day he came back and, and he was really, really starving. And, you know, Jacob, he had his food. He was sitting there eating and everything. And so he came and he said, Jacob, Jacob, I'm starving. I'm hungry. Please give me some food or I'll die. Give me some food. I'm starving. I'm starving. So instead of Jacob saying, well, you know, I love you, brother, and I see that you worked hard, you know, um, I tell you what, this was Jacob said. He said, well, give me your birthright and I'll give you some of my stew I made. Now, you can't make a deal with anybody when you are famished or anxious or mad or angry. Those are the, the things that you cannot do. You cannot reason well when you're in those states of mind. And that's what happened to Esau. So he was starving so badly that he sold his birthright. He gave up his birthright for a bowl of stew. Now, the reason why the birthright is important because he's the eldest son. And by custom back then, the birthright goes to the eldest son, meaning that the inheritance and the money and the land and everything goes to the eldest son. And then the eldest son can pretty much give whoever he want, whatever, you know, but he's in charge. He's the man in charge. Now, Jay, you know, uh, Jacob knew this. 
you know, in some kind of way, Jacob wanted to be the the head and wanted to be better than his, his brother. And, and you know, that because they always fought in the womb. They did all these things together. You know, they had a bad blood be, between them before they even came out. <laughs> so Jacob's name is um, Hill, I believe, if I'm correct, um, because he came out holding Esau's heel. So um, if that's not correct, somebody feel, feel free to drop that down in, a, in the comment section. But I believe his name was Heel in, in Hebrew. So um, because he grabbed a heel, he's grabbing a heel coming out of the womb. But anyway, um, that's what their relationship was like. And Esau he eventually gave his birthright up. He said, as you, if you read the scripture, the scriptures will show you that Esau said he didn't want the birthright anyway. So I don't really know why he didn't want the birthright, but he didn't want it. And he said, he said, um, Esau, the Bible tells us in verse 34 of that chapter, he said, and Jacob gave Esau bread and stew and lentils then he ate and drank, arose and went in his way, went his way, and thus Esau despised his birthright. Now, that's something because when you are blessed to be a blessing by your parent and, and provisions are laid up for you, and but you don't want that. You, I guess... Uh, Esau had this mindset that he just wanted to be free. He didn't want the responsibilities of taking care of others. He didn't want what they was going to call him a primogenitor. That means that he was the family successor. And being a primogenitor, that means that he, he had control over everything. He told when the sisters, who the sisters would marry, who the brothers would marry, where the money would go, how to divvy up the land. So he didn't want that responsibility. And I guess that's, that's just some people have that mindset. So going back to Esau and Jacob, Esau and Jacob, he sold his birthright and Jacob, he take, he took it and he was glad to take it. And he was, he was, he was happy for it, but that's how he became the person that, you know, um, that, that was blessed. And another time that Jacob did another bad thing was he cheated Esau out of the blessings that his father was supposed to give him. So the blessings that he was supposed to get um, were on his deathbed. <laughs> His father was supposed to say, I bless you, son. You are my, my son. I love you. You are the best son in the world. Um, may your life prosper. May your family prosper. You know, that's important for uh, a young man, a young boy to have that blessing and that affirmation from their parent, from especially a son to the a father to the son. That's important because that affirms your son and lets your son know that he's not alone, that he is important, that he is somebody. So 
when a son doesn't get that affirmation from the from the father, then it creates what's what I like to call a vacuum effect. And that vacuum effect means that that son continues on his life, continue to look for affirmation, continue to seek the guidance that and approval of other men in his life. And if you read the story about Esau and Jacob, you will see that he, he ended up being really wealthy and doing really well, but he didn't have too much of a relationship with God. And sometimes we can get sidetracked with our relationship and building a relationship with God because we are so busy working on the relationships and the networks and the things that we need to do on this earth that we forget about God. And that's why Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is so important. When you trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge God and he will direct your paths. So that's what's the important part about it, because when you are trusting in God, when you are believing in God, when your worship is airtight with him, when you are reverencing God, you are offering him everything that you have in your life. Everything, your whole heart, soul, strength, and mind is dedicated to God. Now, that's what God desired for the children of Israel to have for him. But see, you see how the Esau, he didn't want no parts of that. You know, he was wealthy. He was doing his own thing. Jacob, he had 12 sons. And those sons are considered to be the 12 tribes of, of Israel. Now, those 12 tribes and, and 12 sons bore all these other people down through the centuries and everything. And, and Instead of them having that reverence for God that was built in them from the beginning and they're sticking to it, they failed to stick with it. They failed to acknowledge and reverence God. Instead, they were always looking for what I would consider to be the come up. They were always looking for the come up where they they it was something always better for them out there when they had the best already. You know how sometimes we get into situations where, where we are always looking for something better. It's always something better. The grass is green on the other side. Oh, lottie dotty, this, that, and the other. But then you come to find out that that grass is not that green. And they come to find out there's a whole lot of heartache and sorrow that, that goes with that. If you had only stayed back where you were, it, you would be so much better. And the children of Israel had a hard time finding that out. So therefore, that's where God sent Malachi. Malachi was telling them, hey, look, y'all, you know, y'all messing up. Y'all sending pollute offerings. The priests, you all aren't, aren't looking over the the stuff that, that's considered to be a holy sacrifice for me, you just letting it slide. Where is the reverence? Where is the love that you should have for me? Well, the children of Israel doubted God. And that's what was the bad part. They doubted if God was even with them. Now, explain to me this, like they used to say on, on the TV, riddle me this, Batman. You know, I'm trying to figure out why on 
on in the world would they not believe that God was with them when they've seen they've seen all of the things that God had done for them all the ways that he had made provisions for him the many times that he had had mercy on them and showed them love and grace and all that God wanted them to do was to return to him and he will return to them but at that time, and in that same token, many of them didn't. Even after the Babylonian uh, captivity, even after the exile, they decided to still, still worship idol gods, still worship and do detestable things in God's eyesight. See, that's where the heart had grown cold toward God. That's where the love that they were supposed to have was diseased. So that's where they incorporated a spiritual heart disease because they could not love God with their whole heart. They did not want to, they doubted God. And when you doubt God for something or you doubt have doubt in your heart about God and who he is and what he can do for you, then that creates a problem. Because God sees your heart and he under, He knows your heart before you even pray. So when we are praying and we're asking God for a thing, we have to make sure, like I said earlier, when you were giving our, our offering to the Lord, our offering to the Lord should be a cheerful thing, a thing that we, we want to do to show God our appreciation and our thanks it should not be a ritual or a traditional thing to the point where it's, it's something that we just have to do to keep the church doors open, or we're going to give that money to keep the pastor uh, up and going. No, that's not what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to understand that whatever we're giving, we should give to God, whether it's a or $3. Don't get pigeonholed or caught in that box where you believe that people, you're supposed to help people um, by your giving, you know. And it used to be a son that says, you can't beat God giving no matter how hard you try. That is true. But at the same token, we have to have a a, a great heart uh, to give to God. And then when we give to others, our heart should be open on that same level. No one should have to tell you to give something if the God, if God laid on your heart already to do it. You should want to do it because God told you to and, and not expect blessings and all of that stuff in return. Now we, we've been talked in the church about this press prosperity gospel where you give, press down, shaking together and running over through your bosom and, and all that stuff. But we're given in the, in, in the intent to receive something. And see, we should not give anything with the intent to receive anything. They got a word for that. They call that bartering. So you're not offering anything. You're bartering with the with, with God at that moment. You're saying, Lord, I sure need a blessing. And you see these sometimes uh, you hear people say, well, anybody want a blessing, stand up and give me $100. Then God says, give me $100 and you're going to be blessed right there. 
you know, is that a is that a a, a, a truthful? Is that a heartfelt offering? Is that a, a, a sacrifice that you're giving to God? Or is that you're trying to pay? <laughs> you're trying to go to the ATM God to get something back. See, it's all about our hearts, people. It, 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 everything that God is asking us to do for him, is it, it has to come from our heart. You can have a million dollars and not give a person a dime. And that if that's your heart, then that's who you are. But at the same token, you can have a million dollars and you could give a person $10. But if that was from your heart to give that person, that's a blessing for him. And in return, in return, you should feel that you have blessed someone, not that somebody's going to give you a blessing back or you're going to get it back in some way. Don't do it. Don't do it. Give so that you can be a blessing to someone, that you can make a difference. And see, the, the, the priest of that day, at that time, he didn't think like that. Whatever they gave him, he didn't expect it. He didn't look at the sheep. He didn't look at the goat. He didn't look at the off ox. He just said, well, yeah, that's good. Go over there. You know, when you don't have respect for God, and you don't have respect for what you're doing, as an offering to God. Like God will give you a purpose. God will give you a mission and a vision to do. God will give you a, a dream. He will give you something in the desires of your heart to do, like uh, to become a business person or entrepreneur or, or to work in some type of outreach, to build an outreach. That's your purpose that God has given you on this earth. Well, you should have that that respect and that reverence to say, God gave me this gift. God gave me this talent. I'm going to use it in a way that glorifies him. Now, I know there's some, some gifts and talents that God gives people as musicians, actors, actresses, you know, um, lawyers, doctors, all those people, they have different jobs that cross over into different areas you know, that may not look as if it's, it could be dedicated to God. But we can put God and incorporate God in just about everything we do when our heart is, is, is meaningful toward him. When we love God with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind, it doesn't matter what you do. Um, because what you're doing, you're saying, God, you gave me this talent. You gave me this gift. I want to please you in what I'm doing. I want to please you and glorify your name and how I do and what I do. Then you'll be more selective of the music you played or, or the music you, you produce or the, the uh, characters on television that you portray or the clothes that you wear. Because if you're presenting your body, and your heart and your mind is connected to God, then you want to show the world that you are important to God and God guides you. So when you, so when you step outside and you know that uh, certain clothes that you wear uh, does not represent who you are in your heart, then you might need to, to check that and change that. Because if you want God to bless you and you want God to be glorified, you are now the, the offering. You are now the offering that 
that that the priests now back then were doing. You are the living sacrifice. You are the living offering today that God looks on and sees and is glorified through. So when we are saying we are men and women of God, we have to walk in a way that pleases God. We have to honor God. See, the children of Israel did not do that. They doubted God. They didn't believe that God was going to be there with them. So whatever that was going on, whatever was happening in their lives, they still in the back of their mind did not love God strongly enough. Even after everything that God had done for them, they still decided to turn away from him or half-heartedly serve and worship him. And that's the problem that Malachi came to correct. It was the slowfulness. It was their inability to want to serve the one true God in the way that he, he uh, demanded or commanded them. So um, we're going to continue. The, I think we covered all of these scriptures. Um, Yes, we did. We covered just about all of the scriptures. And we talked about the first chapter of Malachi. And that's the, the basis of why Malachi came to the children of Israel after exile. Because he wanted them to know that the offering and the way that they are living and what they're sacrificing and giving to God, it was unacceptable. And for them to turn away from that and get back into fellowship and alignment with what God's plan was for them, number one. And number two, that the offering and everything that he desired from his chosen people to be done correctly. And it was the priest's job to make sure that was done correctly. And they did not do it. And that's why. The table of the Lord is defiled and his fruit and his food is contemptible. That's the verse 12. Verse 13 said, you also say, oh, what a weariness. And you sneer at it, says the Lord of hosts. And you bring the stolen, the lame, the sick. Thus you bring an offering. Should I accept this from your hand, says the Lord? Last word. But cursed be the deceiver who has in his flock a male and takes a vow but sacrifices to the Lord what is blemished. For I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name is to be feared among nations. So that's the end of chapter one. See, God was telling them, look, you got all these great things, the great sacrifices right here, and you're going to give me something that's blemished? I curse you for that. So for us, what we need to remember as givers and doers of the word of God, that our heart, we can't have any deception or deceit or bad feelings or bad thoughts when we are praying for um worship, praying or worshiping to God. We can have those things. That's why when you ever hear someone says, all minds and hearts are clear, or everyone is on one accord, 
uh, or, you know, free your mind and your body of the, the cares of this world and worship and, and reverence God. And he will hear you. He said, cry out to me and I will hear you. He's just asking you with your heart, if you got issues, if you got situations that's coming up, he wants you to cry out to him without thinking or believing that, that you have a say in it. I'll put it like that, because God wants you to let go and let him handle the situation. He wants you to release it to him. But at the same time, you're offering. What are you offering God that is perfect, that is pure, that is, is, is something that he sees of value? See, we, we can't give God 98%, 97% in our lives and in our worship and in our obedience and expect him to build you a home or expect you to give you that job that you want or have been looking for. You have no right to ask him for that because the way that you are living, the heartstrings that you are, are connecting to God for your blessings or for whatever you want, it's not pure. It's not pure enough for God. God's not asking you to be uh, perfect, but he's asking you to be sincere, be truthful when you come to him. Don't come to him uh, halfway, halfway in reverence and the other half in doubt or halfway thinking that God is great, God is good, but the other half you're thinking, yeah, God gonna give me this. You know, it's quid pro quo. You can't do that with God. God wants your heart. When you come to him, reverence him as your father, reverence him as daddy, reverence him as, as almighty God, reverence him as uh, the, the creator of all things that can do all things. And when you come to him, come to him in fear, come to him praying and believing that whatever his, his will is for your life, you will obey it. That's how you get God's attention. But you can't go to God saying, God, all I ask, Lord, is just if you get me out of this situation this one last time, I'm not going to do this such and such. Or Lord, if you if you help me through this, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to stop doing that. Now you're bartering with God if and then. God doesn't want an if and then because his if and then was if my people are called by my name, who humble themselves, turn from their wicked ways. <laughs> then I will hear from heaven and I will hear their land. See, that was an if and then that God desires. He desires for us to turn from our wicked ways, to find a way to return to him and holiness. And the only way that you can do that in this state of the, as this state at this time in our lives is to give our hearts to him. God sees the heart. Man sees the outward appearance of who we are. Man sees what we look like, what we sound like, what we, we, we all of that stuff. But in our hearts, that's what God truly sees. So if you listen to me under the sound of my voice and you're looking for God, you're seeking and you're calling out to him without any 
presuppositions or pre-assumptions without any, you know, if I call on God, if I fast, if I pray, then God going to release this. No, that ain't the proper sacrifice. That's a barter. But God wants you to, to really give up something which is in your heart which is something that you desire and love most of all. He's not saying for you to sacrifice like Isaac and he's not, you know, like Abraham. He's not asking you to do those things. He's asking you in your heart to just close out all those other things and give your heart to him and love him for who he is. He is the creator. He is the almighty. He is the God that can do all things. But we cannot and should not think in terms of the children of Israel and the priest of that day where he was just given stuff halfway or blemished or, or tainted. Our hearts have to be uh, turned toward God in a way that it pleases him. And how does that, how does that start? Well, you have to love your neighbors as yourself and you have to love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. That's the first start. And the rest after that, it comes because you are working at pleasing God with your heart and not with your works, but with your heart, pleasing God with loving people unconditionally, pleasing God with being there for them when they need you, or even when they don't need you, that you're extending that extra hand to show them the love of God, that greater love that no and, and that a man have than to lay down his life for the friend, you know? And that's what God desires. We don't have to die for anyone per se, but spiritually, we should be able to connect to that person in unconditional love or what they call agape love and love that person through their situations and through their mess, no matter what, love on them and be there for them. Because that's what God sees. He sees the actions of our hearts and, and, and how we uh push our heartstrings outward to other people so that they could be blessed or we could be a blessing to someone. So that concludes tonight's discussion. And if, if someone has anything they want to add, I'll be more than happy to listen. Um, yes. Um, just to piggyback off of what you were saying, um, this whole topic tonight was just so relatable and just, Everything that goes on now from the bargaining to go with God, um, from the just everything, um, because we find ourselves bargaining all the time and not just we don't just do it with God. Like, I find out that I guess experiences through life, people do it with each other too, like as in friend wise and stuff like that, or family wise okay, you did for me, or well, I'm doing for you, so now what can you do for me? It's not just genuine anymore, or I'm just blessing you, or if I got it, you got it, you know, so I just love the fact that, like you said, give wholeheartedly or not at all, because <clears throat> a lot of people nowadays, it always gonna be a, a string attached in some type of way, um, 
to where, okay, I did this for you and you're not thinking anything about it and you think everything's all good and then you look up and, okay, well, I done did this down here, down the line for you. Now, what you gonna do for me? You know, and it's just sad that you can't come to your fellow brothers and sisters when you need help. I mean, that's what we're here for. That's what we're supposed to be here for, you know, to spread God's word, give help where needed, but we as people have turned it into, like you said, bargaining. And so they're just sad because God said we're supposed to be spreading love throughout. But we sit up here and we we just taking from each other like crabs in a barrel, you know. So mm-hmm. I just hate that. I just hate that we as people have come to that. And, you know, we're not gen- we're not genuinely loving or helping each other anymore. Just like you were saying with um with the two brothers. So like, and with the two brothers and stuff, they said that, you know, the brothers have to pick off each other like that, but it's life. Like, you know, everybody do it all the time and it's not right, but you know, God saying, Hey, you know, you, you're going to have to get right. Or like you said, I cut you off and then I make you come back to me. I make you bow back down to me, but are you going to learn the easy way? Or are you going to learn the hard way? So give wholeheartedly or when it's time, you know, for you to come back to him, trust me, he'll be ready to listen and you'll be ready to give your all. So I just love that this topic just had so many, this discussion had so many topics that were so relatable to what goes on, you know, here, like with everybody with the grass, the green on the other side and, you know, just the whole thing. So I just love like, just how you said, like you said, give wholeheartedly or not at all. And like you said, um, just come to God and um, come to God and um, basically, um, I got lost my train of thought. <laughs> but just come to God and you know, just give it, give it all to Him, and He will solve your problems. So that's right. Yeah, that is so true. <laughs> That that is great, Keisha. I I do agree with you on that. Me because nowadays is just is just the way that the world is now. And I don't know if it's because of COVID or if it's about something else. But you know, a lot of people they won't generously do anything for the next person unless it's something in it for them. And that's that's unfortunate because a lot of people might not have anything to give. You know, and if we have a, a good word for you, if we have uh, compassion and empathy for you, a lot of people are looking for friendships. A lot of people are looking for uh, real tangible relationships that they can they can grow with and they can be a right. part of. But, you know, it, it, you should not have that that idea or that mindset that, oh, I'm going to be your friend because you got something I need, or I'm going to be there for you just to get what I can out of you. That's wrong. Right. But the thing about it too, um, sometimes people are not just like me. I'm a genuine person. So, and most times the other person will be like, oh no, this too good to be true. What's wrong with it? You know, why something got to be wrong with (laughs) Why something got to be wrong with me being so nice? 
you know. Mm-hmm. So that what I don't understand. Like they be like, "What's the gimmick?" Like there is no gimmick. Like if I got it, you got it. If if I can help you, I help you. Like you said, if I can't, I can't. But a lot of people not gonna look at that because they know in their hearts and their mind they're not gonna do it. So they are gonna question why are you doing? Hmm. Yeah. And that's that's what God did not desire or want for the children of Israel, their their heart and their offering and everything about them. They doubted God. So they always felt like they had to have an alternative somewhere or I forgot the word that they people use nowadays that they got to have a, 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 a something on the side or, you know, <laughs> a backup. You know, they always right a plan back. A, B, C, and D. You know, yeah. I mean, when <laughs> when does trusting and believing God be needs a, a backup plan? There's no backup right. plan. It's I don't care that you all this way. So you mean to tell me I don't got you through all these trenches? Now you questioning what I'm doing for you now? But you'll go out there and put your faith in Peter Paul and everybody else, and they don't let you down. Yeah. They done dropped you like a hot tamale. Uh-huh. <laughs> that is absolutely true. And that's what the children of Israel were consistently doing with uh with God. And God was tired of it. He's like, I'm doing yep. all this for you, and, and you you giving me what half. You doing stuff? For me? Yeah. Right. <laughs> so I, that's that's something, you know. But yeah. that's that's good that we can find um answers and examples in in the bible that helps us to see okay there's nothing new under the sun all of this has happened before so with all of this happening before this is my template (laughs) i can go to the bible read where okay they messed up they did this god didn't like that okay i need to stay away from being like them and that's mm-hmm. all that's all that reading the Bible and the scriptures are about. It's just telling a story uh, of people's character and what their right. desires and their wishes are in life. And it is created to help guide us away from doing those things that displeases God. So that's that's great. I was I really enjoyed that, Keisha. I really enjoyed you know what you said. It was really great. Yeah. Thank you. And just to piggyback off just what you just said, because we're all human and we're going to mess up all the time. So, you know, when we do get lost and we be like, man, you know, I don't mess up. Where to go from here? Open that Bible up and read them stories and see what see what happened, you know, mm-hmm. and then put your faith that in God and know that everything going to be all right. And just not put your faith in man. Just let go and let God take care of your situation and just you know just go from there but yeah I enjoyed this discussion so thank you for having me well thank you for joining in and that concludes tonight's discussion about um, the diseased heart and if you don't get anything else out of tonight don't let your heart be diseased to the point where when you're given or being um being an instrument for God, don't let your heart be tainted to the point where God is not satisfied or pleased with what you're doing. Always have the right mindset and a right heart for God and towards what you're doing so that God can see that you desire to do something to please him. 
And with that being said, I'm going to close. I hear my deacons out there. They, they got something to say, but, you know, we're on the call already. <laughs> so we're going to end with a word of prayer. And God bless you all. And thank you all for joining with us. And remember to reach out to us um, by email or leave a comment below or either way. You know, we are so glad that you have joined with us. Keisha, God bless you. Love you so much. You love your family and you all be blessed. And everyone on the call tonight, you all be blessed as well. And, and whenever you listen, know that God loves you and God has a plan and a purpose for your life. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Same to you guys. God bless and good night, everyone. Good night. Have a nice week. You too.